Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Dugout.UK football podcast. I'm Ollie Coulson and I'm joined by my co-host Lee Tootle. How are you this evening, my friend? I'm doing well, Ollie. How are you? I'm really good, thanks. And we are also joined by our returning guest, Brighton fan and writer and just extraordinaire, um, Drew Miller-Hindman. How are you this evening, Drew? Hello. Uh, I sound a bit different because I've managed to contract COVID this weekend, so... Uh... A mixed fortunes for me the past few days. I hope you're okay, Drew. I hope uh, you test negative soon and everything's back to normal for you as soon as possible. Um, this week, we're going to be taking a look at the Premier League, uh, the results from last week, and looking ahead to some of the fixtures this week. And we're also going to be having um, an in-depth discussion about uh, Leeds, United and Brighton. Um, we had uh, Drew on at the start of the season, didn't we, Lee, uh, to preview the season. And um, you both made some pretty audacious claims about the clubs you support. So, six games in, um, we will get to that in a bit. Um, so, we'll start with some of the results from this weekend from the Premier League. Um, we'll start with the opening fixture of the weekend, which was Chelsea versus Man City. 1-0 win for City. Fantastic. Dug out the win. Uh, Gabriel Jesus' goal uh, to give the Blues of Manchester a really well-deserved three points and put them second in the table. Um, what, did, what did we think of that game pretty quickly, Lee? Um, I think I think it's kind of a statement win, really, isn't it, for City? They kind of needed a game like that. I think City needed to actually win a game against Thomas Tuchel, to be honest. I think that that's something you haven't managed so far. I think it seemed like an absolute, like Pep had spent the entire preseason sitting down watching Chelsea thinking, how do I stop this team that has beaten me three times in three games now? And it were an absolute masterclass, really, wasn't it? Chelsea barely got a touch of the ball. They didn't have one shot on target. It, it would just, you, you were, City were just in complete control for the entire 90 minutes. And, um, you know, pigs are always flying when Gabriel Jesus is scoring goals. So, um, so I suppose the win were going to come, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, I mean, Chelsea just played right into City's hands with that ultra defensive, you know, kind of eight at the well, nine at the back system, and then just leaving uh, Werner and Lukaku up front so far away from their midfield. It just played right into City's hands. Um, the other 12 30 game from this weekend was an even better result for the City fans uh, Manchester United nil, Aston Villa one. Um, after a late goal from Courtney House, um, United got a penalty to equalise, and Bruno Fernandes skied it after some brilliant distraction and disruption by Emmy Martinez, the goalkeeper for Aston Villa. Um, Drew, what did you think of that game? Uh, I thought it was hilarious, and I think that prior to this season starting, a lot of pundits were like, oh, well, United are going to be like the United of old. They don't always get the results against the big teams, but they just demolish the smaller teams, which I thought they haven't been doing that. There are plenty of results I could think of where they sort of, a bit like City against Southampton, drop points when they really shouldn't have against teams they really shouldn't have. And this is like another prime example. And the problem with Ole and his slightly unbalanced but still very high quality squad is that he seems to just be very easy to plan against. And if you're fortunate enough that none of his players turn up on the day and sort of perform world-class goals and do things that you just go, well, they've got Paul Pogba or they've got Bruno Fernandes, then 
you can beat them. They are very, very beatable. I go into every game against United thinking, yeah, we can win this, which I didn't against Mourinho. I didn't do that before Ole. I mean, I mean, yeah, I, I agree with everything you just said there about Manchester United. They're just not a very kind of consistent side, really. Um, and it is very entertaining to watch them lose in such a fashion. Um, other results from Saturday, Everton 2, Norwich 0, uh, Leicester and Burnley slugging it out for a 2 all draw, Watford and Newcastle slugging it out for a one all draw. Um, and then Brentford versus Liverpool in the evening. Um that was an interesting game. Three all. Uh, Brentford taking the lead a couple of times. Uh, Liverpool pulling the result back, getting the getting getting a point. Um, Salas, Salas, as we've been saying a lot in this podcast, he's pretty inevitable as a player, and he scored again in that game. Um, but it's a huge result for Brentford, isn't it, Lee? A huge result for them. Still going down. <laughs> no, oh, I, I, maybe not. Maybe my they, they might be the one of my own preseason predictions that was. Um, way off the mark um but no yeah um very difficult to play against um i think now fans are back in grounds we very quickly not become everyone's second favorite team and brentford have taken that place because frankly um we're pricks um and their fans seem quite nice and they do play really attacking football in a very different way to what we did last season in the sense that, that, that I think they're a bit more sensible at the back. You know, they the, the do play with a back three. Um, you know, the and I think the, the way the, the sit deep and the counter, the two strikers, well, I say strikers, I don't know if you can really call them Burmo a striker, but the two up top play really close to each other, which you don't see anymore, really. And it's, it's all just very clever. And unfortunately, um, given things I've said about Thomas Frank in the past, he's, he's quite a clever man when it comes to football. That were an absolute masterclass against Liverpool, whose defence just evaporated at the sight of Ivan Tony, which, to be honest, I would do if I was up against Ivan Tony. I wouldn't be going in for that battle. But he were brilliant. Brentford were brilliant. And it was the most entertaining game I've seen probably since we came up last season and played Liverpool when we lost 4-3. It was that. That's the last time I've seen such an like an end-to-end game with an underdog and a clear favourite like that. And, brilliant. Um, yeah, br- brilliant, brilliant game. Um, other results from this weekend uh, that we're not going to discuss in depth. Southampton nil, Wolverhampton Wanderers one. Um, Run of the mill, standard mid-table game. Uh, Wolves really getting their season underway now. You could say under Bruno Lars which is fantastic for them. And another sort of um, mid-table clash from this weekend, uh, Arsenal 3, Spurs 1, uh, the North London derby. I don't think that's, anyone... That's brilliant. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it is, though. It is. Um, I don't particularly like either of the teams. So that's why I'm going to mock it. Um, but just to talk about it briefly, Arsenal were excellent. Um, and it's kind of revived everyone's hopes around Mikel Arteta. And it's completely demoralised Nuno uh, Espirito Santo and the rest of Spurs. Drew, very quickly... Um, what did you make of the North London derby? Well, like you said, Arsenal were excellent and Spurs were dire. I mean, Spurs have been dire basically since they beat City. Um, I'm not really sure how they did that. I think City can take a bit of time to sort of fire up and get going. Um, and once their attack does, you never want to be the team that plays City after they've lost a game like that because they usually put about six past a team like Norwich. Um, but as per usual the sort of traditionally top six teams 
uh, play terribly until just before they're about to play us. So we've got Arsenal on Saturday, just if they've apparently learned how to play football, both at, at either end. Uh, they, they, they were very solid defensively, no clownery. Ben White was sort of back to his usual self, which I know he's been out for a while, but that was quite nice to see, to be fair. But yeah, uh, Spurs are terrible, but I can only assume that by the time we play them, Harry Kane will be getting three goals a game. Uh, and they'll and they'll demolish us, but it, it's very funny. I mean, both of them are, are a bit of a mess, and a lot of people were like, "Oh, is this Arsenal's turning point? Is this the start of their season?" And I'm like, "Which number turning point is this? Are we on six or seven now? Where Arteta has suddenly found the formula?" I think hold fire. If it go if it keeps going well, then great. But I just yeah you are playing the worst team in the league or one of the worst teams in the league on form but I think like Norwich beating them 3-1 sort of would be expected um, especially against Nuno who plays very defensively so can't wait to lose to Arsenal 3-0 on Saturday Uh, (laughs) and it's very very funny to watch two of the most uh, overdramatic fan bases in the world get results they don't like and then occasionally be given hope only to have it snatched away I think yeah. you have to realise that Arsenal pretty much played without a midfield. Not Arsenal, Spurs pretty much played without a midfield for that entire game. The way that I really don't think it was much of an Arteta winning the game as much as Nuno completely bottled it. That yeah. was the worst I've seen Spurs play in a very long time. I hadn't, I didn't see a game that bad under Mourinho, and he was shocking towards the end with them. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think, I think that's. A- an absolutely dreadful result for Spurs. And it's just really funny because I really don't like Tottenham Hotspur. Um, it's not just because they beat us at the start of the season. It does, you know, I just really do not like that club. And seeing them do absolutely terribly in their derby is just beautiful to know. Um, so that's going to enrage the Tottenham fans. And I'm definitely going to put that in the headline tweet for this podcast when it goes out. Um, but yeah, moving on to the main point discussion um, from the Premier League this weekend is what we're going to be discussing now. And I see Lee sighing and probably going to start crying soon. Um, the two results from the weekend we haven't talked about. Leeds won, West Ham 2 and Crystal Palace and Brighton in the M23, A23 rivalry, derby, whatever you want to call it, uh, one all there at um, Selhurst Park. Um, we'll start with Leeds. And that means we start with Lee. Um, Leeds United, uh, 18th in the table, um, a pretty dreadful record. Haven't got a win on the, on the score sheet so far. Um, is this second season syndrome for Marcelo Bielsa, do you think? Or is it, or is it something deeper? Is, is, there, is there something at the club that is just going horrifically wrong? Or is it just kind of second season syndrome for Leeds United? None of the above. Is the, the the level-headed answer which I've I've come to grips with over the past few weeks is probably just that I, I I don't want to use injuries as an excuse because we had a dreadful start before the injuries, but it's worth bearing in mind that against West Ham we had um, a nineteen-year-old making his first Premier League appearance and League One Liam Cooper in the back line. Um, with um, Jamie Shackleton um, centre mid playing right back and Furpo being a bum. Um, that's been a large part of the season, actually, is Furpo being a bit shit, which is quite funny given the way I talked him up in the um, season preview. But no, I just think um, it, it's one of them. We, we went on a bit of a run last season and it just feels the same as that where it just wasn't really clicking. Um, 
I think as lack of a signing of a centre mid in the summer, which was a concern for a lot of Leeds fans, um, has probably proven to be um, quite a valid concern. I think Stuart Dallas is... I don't want to say he's knackered. I don't think he is. He's had something going on outside of football. He had to withdraw from the Northern Ireland squad for personal issues. You never know what that is, uh, but there's something very clearly not right with him. And he was one of our best players last season. Um, Bamford hasn't been firing, but it's classic one season wonder. I think, to be honest, I think every Leeds fan who's seen Patrick Bamford play football for more than a season probably saw this coming. Um, Rodrigo being played out of position when he's been playing in because Bielsa doesn't play with a number 10 uh, shadow striker he plays it's like hybrid 8 slash 10s he has in midfield like click very much a, an, an attacking mid playing in that role but um, Rodrigo looked very good against West Ham playing as a, a false 9 which I think probably could be the way forward for us because it was that first half of football was the best I've seen us play this season. And to be honest, the way we started against Newcastle and the way we started against West, against West Ham, I don't think there's actually any cause for concern in terms of relegation. I think there's too many teams that are going to be worse than us this season. I'd like to thank Norwich personally for doing us a favour of having at least one less relegation spot to worry about. Um, having only con- only scored twice and conceded 16 since they came up without a point. But um, I do think missing Diego Lorente, missing Pascal Strauch, which is absolute bollocks. We should not be missing Pascal Strauch. I think everyone other than Craig Pawson and the FA agree that Pascal Strauch shouldn't have been suspended for um, that tackle. Um, but I, I, I do think I can see something starting to click a bit. We- they were absolutely knackered in the last 10 minutes against West Ham. You know, they've barely had a rest. A lot of the senior players had to play midweek against against Fulham in the Cup because the players we'd normally rotate with are either injured or suspended. Um, and I, I do think against Watford, we've we, that is our... If we don't win that game, there is a serious problem. But I, I say I back us to beat Watford. Then we've got Southampton, Wolves... Arsenal in the cup, but no one gives a shit about the Carabao Cup, probably other than you, Ollie, um, <laughs> given it's practically Man City's cup at this point. But, you know, Watford, Southampton, Wolves and Norwich, if we get two wins out of that, we're, we're completely on track to avoid relegation. And I think that's just long enough to get a few key players back and, um, and perhaps um, get, get a bit of form under his belt. But um, I'm I'm really not concerned. I, I was until the West Ham game, which, given we lost after being one 0 up, probably sounds stupid. But you'll know from watching football as long as you have, you, you can see when there is a problem in the team. And I didn't see one against West Ham. It was just Antonio's a bit of a beast, and Jamie Shackleton bottled a tackle against him, which is completely understandable for the the goal which they won with but um quite jealous of where Brighton are in the table at the minute and their um their ability to convert chances which is not something I thought I would be saying if you'd have asked me six months ago um I'm probably sure it's not something Drew would expect me to be saying six months ago but um no I think if 
if we finish 13th, that is a good season. The second season in the Prem is about making sure you stay in that league. It's, if, if you survive that second season, that is the most difficult season for me. We're very much still in the transition between being a ch- top championship and being a Premier League team, just in terms of actually keeping ourselves in this league. We don't have a lot of players that have played in relegation battles in their time. Um, but um, I, I I don't think that's too much of a worry. We get six points, possibly seven, maybe even nine from his next four games. Um, and we're completely back where we should be. My only concern is a lot of goals we've conceded have come from late runs into the box and people not picking up their man. But given we've not had a proper midfield because as midfielders have been in defence, you're going to get skinned in midfield when you have a squad as as shallow as ours. I, I just think with that one proper central midfielder by trade away from being completely fine. And if Rodrigo keeps playing as a false nine and puts in performances like he did against West Ham, then Patrick Bamford's got a run for his money for his position. But I'm really not too, too bothered. But maybe my prediction of us finishing in seventh, which I did admit was a very optimistic prediction anyway, um, might have been... Um, we'll say a bit off it. Um, Brighton are currently in sixth after six games. Could have gone top if they won uh, l- last night on night of recording. Um, Drew, I mean, it's kind of a dream start to life uh, this season, isn't it? Um, dream start, a dream start to the season for Brighton this year, isn't it? Yeah, and it's sort of unexpected. Um, we've been conceding more expected goals and creating. About the same, maybe a bit less, uh, and yet somehow scoring more, finishing more chances. Uh, the last night's game was great. Uh, well, no, it was horrible for 94 minutes and 56 seconds, uh, and then it was great. Uh, <laughs> and I really didn't expect it. We didn't deserve a point, we didn't deserve three from Leicester, although we did play very well in the Leicester game neither team sort of deserve to leave with nothing I think um, I think we also have to remember that we've played uh, Palace uh, Leicester the only team we've lost to is Everton which again whilst we did beat Leicester Everton are probably the only side that we definitely wouldn't expect to beat like Burnley uh, I'd expect us to beat uh, especially given how poorly they're performing uh, but, I, but also last season we didn't get those results I think we took one or no points from Burnley away last season. Uh, we've never beaten Leicester in the league before. Um, and Everton is the only result I think that was flipped. I think we took points off them at home last season, whereas they took them this time. So, yeah, I mean, it's great. It's great to be up there. I think once we've played City and Liverpool at the end of this month, it won't be quite so high up and lofty. And obviously at this stage of the season, one loss with the teams below you winning can drop you five, six, seven places because it's all relatively tight. But if you told me we'd be 10 points off the relegation zone after six games, I'd have bit your hand off because at the end of the day, staying up is is the key thing. Um, and progress was always the, the thing that I really, really wanted to see, uh, but not necessarily the thing that I would have risked relegation for. I would always rather stay up. So yeah, it's great. And it's great to see uh, Mope scoring. Uh, and being 
back to his usual self. Uh, he admitted in his sort of post-match interview that he'd been sort of struggling with his confidence after uh, his injury sort of early last season. Uh, and I think that showed because I think he only scored a couple of goals once he came back from that injury. Uh, and he's already scored half of last year's tally. He's joint joint fourth slash joint second, depending on how you make those lists in the uh, top scorers so far this season. He's one behind being a Salah, Vardy and... can't remember who has some five. Don't care. We're, we're sick and I'll take it. Uh, it's very good news. I don't think we'll get Europe. Uh, I don't think our squad is quite there yet. And the one concern I had was we really missed Basuma last night. Uh, I think a lot of Brighton fans will say, well, it wasn't just one player. In general, the players were were lacking it. But I think he brings that energy to the side. I think he would have... He's the exact kind of player that you needed to break out of Palace's press. Uh, he did it against Leicester. Uh, he's done it against other teams that have been pressing us. He's been sort of key. Uh, and I think that, yeah, we really need to work on injuries. Our, our injuries have been lasting longer than you would expect. And that could just be bad luck or it could be that behind closed doors, the club's recovery team are not doing their job properly. And that's a little bit worrying. We were meant to have Lamptey back at the beginning of the season. He's only just played 45. Um, so hopefully Basuma's back for Arsenal. Sounds like he will be. And hopefully he doesn't pick up another injury, but he's a, a big physical guy and, and a physical player. So... Anyway, that was a very pessimistic way of saying we are sick and it's very, very good and it feels great. And I don't think it will last, but I think that we've done more than enough. And even if I take a pessimistic view of our results against the teams we have left to play over the next 32 games, I'm very confident that we'll stay up. I'm very confident that we'll beat our points total, which I think was 42 the year we came up or the year after. Um, I'm terrible at football history. And, uh, yeah, if we can beat that, we need 30 points from the next 32 games. That's less than a point a game. I'm more than confident we can average that. Yeah, um, I mean, Brighton are, Brighton are really interesting because last year they had real problem converting chances. And, you know, they were getting some absolutely fantastic chances on, X, on the XG ratings. Um, and this year they're converting worse chances. So their luck is kind of in their favour. And I think that's kind of... Help the right in this journey, and especially you know a situation like last night. That's a situation of pure luck and a brilliant finish by Morpé. Um, so you kind of you you've just got to take them when you get them. Really, it's one of it's one of those sort of goals and results that you just you just take it, um, and you just got to live it and be happy with. I mean, Brighton, they're just really interesting. They play good football, um, you know. And you say there, Drew, that you don't think you're going to get Europe. I mean. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, it depends on how the cups go as well. There really won't. Look, do you know what? This isn't just me being, being a prick, but there's there's that many teams at the top that I think the gap between being that kind of lower bottom half team and being that, that team pushing for Europe is absolutely massive. Like West Ham, look at them. They're that team pushing for European spots now, and they are miles ahead of a lot of the other mid-table teams. It's become a lot more competitive. Uh, I think that's the the, the issue, at least, uh, for clubs wanting to push on. I think um, fighting to be in that position is about as realistic as you can get until you've got there and made improvements from that. Yeah. Yeah. It's changed a lot, but... Um, 
probably not for the better either, to be honest. But um, I, I think Brighton have the potential to do that when you look at the players they've got. Um, I think, like Drew said, towards the end, it's become a lot more uh, towards the end of like the preseason that it's become a bit more a Graham Potter's squad now. He's a very good manager and it, the club has the potential to do it. But I, I think that gap is just huge at this point. We really felt it last season when we were bouncing off the promotion. But um, but, but yeah, it's very difficult to get there. But I, th- I think yeah. upper, upper, upper lower half of the table or maybe 10th for Brighton would be my... Yeah, if you, if you look at the only form that's really broken into yeah. it, it's Leicester and they had to win the league and all the money and the attention that comes with it against all odds in order to break in consistently. And even now they've got a bit of a reputation for bottling coming in that top four, top five. So it is really hard. And that's why I'm still thinking Europe is impossible because it is a great part of squad. We got rid of a lot of dead wood and brought in some promising players, but it's not there yet. But you've got to start somewhere. And uh, improving from 16th slash 17th would be very nice. Thank you very much. Much less stressful. So for this next section, as we said earlier, we're going to talk a bit about the Champions League this week. Um, we did a preview of the Champions League a couple of weeks ago, uh, but there's some interesting fixtures this weekend, um, uh, this week even, I should say. Um, as we're recording this, uh, the Tuesday night game's on. So PSG versus Manchester City. PSG at the time of recording are 1-0 up. Uh, Leipzig and Club Bruges are 1-1. Porto are 1-0 down to Liverpool. Milan are 1-0 up against Atletico Madrid. Uh, Dortmund and Sporting Lisbon, 0-0. Real Madrid and Sheriff Tiraspol uh, from Moldova, or Sheriff, 1-0 up against Real Madrid. Um, and tomorrow night, uh, we've got the, a rerun of the Europa League final from last season, Manchester United versus Villarreal, as well as Juventus versus Chelsea. I mean, there's some interesting fixtures there, Lee. Um, very, very quickly... Uh, what do you think, especially look, more focusing on the English clubs, what do you think are kind of good results for the English clubs this week? I mean, surely, we'll talk about United and Villa mo- mostly because I just want to laugh at um, United and Villarreal. Um, do we think Villarreal can, you know, pull off another upset? I wouldn't call it an upset because I'd call them favourites. But... <laughs> <laughs> but no. Um... All right. All right then. <laughs> Villarreal... Um... Don Emery is a very good manager and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is not um, as proven in the final. Um, I back David De Gea to concede 11 goals before missing a penalty again. Um, you know, just repeat of last time. <laughs> yeah, um, in, in all seriousness, Manchester United are probably going to win, but um, it will be a Ronaldo carry job if they do. If they don't, then it will be it'll just probably just turn out that Ronaldo's going to be the flop that we all want him to be. We all being probably me, you and Jack, given the teams we support. But um, yeah, 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 I think United, uh, like they said earlier, like Drew said earlier, they're just, if you have a good manager who has enough quality players, Solskjaer is one of the easiest managers to come up against. It's just so basic. It's just, right, we're going to play 4-2-3-1, lads. Have a good game. Oh, we're going to play three four three tonight, lads. Have a good game. Send the team. It 
very, very basic. And any manager with half a brain can probably uh, get around that with the right team. And I think Villarreal, we have the play quite compact. I think they'll um, hopefully um, Manchester United struggle. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think for the neutrals, this. <laughs> we'll do that. Um, so we'll uh, we'll talk briefly about Liverpool versus Porto, considering we've got a uh, Liverpool and Napoli writer uh, from the dugout, uh, Hopkins here. Jack, uh, before we start, how are you this evening? Are you, are you well? Um, I'm a bit drenched after coming home on the train then, but I'm all right, you know. Good to hear. Um, so Liverpool won the look against Porto right now. Uh, mm-hmm. What do you what do you think of, what do you think about that game? What's kind of I mean Liverpool have absolutely smashed Porto before in the Champions League. Um, yeah, especially won it a couple of seasons ago. That's one I remember. Um, uh, good result for Liverpool. Yeah, like, um, well, I'm hoping that we can you know get a good couple of goals and and not be as defensively. What's the best way I can put it? Bladdered as we were on the weekend. Um, but as you've said, we faced them a few times already. They, I think we faced them in the run-up to Kiev and then run-up to Madrid. And we slapped them aside quite easily on both occasions. The squad since then is relatively unchanged. It's still the same core group of players. Um, so just see how Porto plays on the night. But with the squad that they've got in front of them, I don't see why they can't just swap them aside again. Yeah, I mean, I mean, City played Porto in the group stage last season. Uh, I think it was three <laughs> and nil-nil, with the nil-nil being away. Uh, obviously, we're not going to get a repeat of that for Liverpool tonight. Uh, being wandered up through Mohamed Salah, I'm pretty sure it yeah. is. Yeah, uh, I mean, I mean, we're going to we're going to talk a bit more about Liverpool in a little bit. Um, Drew, um, can we just get you to give us a few words on? Juventus versus Chelsea because um, I think that's a really interesting game you know Allegri Tuchel both very defensive managers uh, Juventus have had a horrific start to the season and we're going to be talking a lot about Italian football next um, but Chelsea uh, just coming off that loss to City um, they need a result here really don't they? Yeah uh, I think the momentum is everything when you're a top side trying to win every competition that you're that you're in or still in Um You've chosen probably two teams I have watched none of this season. I think I've watched a little bit of Chelsea. Um, but I know enough about their squad. I watched them win the Champions League, obviously, last last season in the final. Uh, Lukaku is an excellent addition. Um, I don't actually know how he did for Inter against Juventus, but obviously won the Scudetto with them. Uh, and, well, if, if, if Juventus... I know they've sort of improved. They've had a couple of wins on the bounce, I think, in the league. Um, not particularly convincing wins, but they have had a couple of wins, which is sort of what counts at that point. Um, yeah, I think he's the perfect player to go up against their their two big hulking centre-backs um, and to give back as much as they like to give. Um, and I'd expect Chelsea to win. The Juventus, even with those two wins, clearly aren't quite right. And... Tuchel does tend to beat defensive teams. I mean, he tends to beat everyone with this Chelsea squad, so you'd expect, but apart from City, obviously. Uh, but <laughs> you'd expect them to win here. I think if they don't, you're starting to see some problems for them, I think. In the Champions League, you've got to be winning those games to sort of convincingly go through at the top of your group, which Chelsea should be doing. Um, so, yeah, 
it'll be an interesting game. I probably won't watch it uh, because, like you say, it's two very defensive teams. So it'll probably be hideously boring. And it'll be sort of two goals, Lukaku holding the ball up, maybe turns his man and puts it through to Ziyech or someone who finishes it. It's not going to be super exciting, but I'd expect Chelsea to come away with, with the three points for the group. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think Juventus are going to kind of play into Chelsea's hands a little bit, uh, that sort of team, because they're just, and they're just not performing very well. Uh, Juventus at the moment, um, the in the relegation zone a couple of weeks ago, which is horrendous for them, really. Um, but we'll move on to this weekend's Premier fixture um, in the Premier League, and that is Manchester City versus Liverpool. It's at Anfield. Um, just running through the recent results at Anfield, um, 4-1 to City last season, uh, 3-1 to Liverpool in the season they won the league, uh, 0-0 in um, that incredible title race in 18-19 where Maris missed a late-on penalty. Um, at home, the results have kind of um, they've gone more they've gone more City's way. It was one one last season, but four um, 0 the season before, two one the season before that. Um, you know, you, so Jack, these are well, they're the two finest clubs in England and two of the finest in Europe, really, when they're performing at their top. I don't, yeah, you'll, you'll agree with me. You can't really read much into Liverpool last season and trying to compare them to this season because obviously the impact of Virgil Van Dijk returning is huge. Yeah, 100%. Because, um, obviously, with the way the squad was last year, we were just for... I don't want to sound like, you know, one of those typical Liverpool fans, like, oh, we were, but we were hard done by, but we, we were pretty hard done by in terms of injuries. Our squad was... Like, yeah, we still had plenty of players that can play, but in comparison to man for man, I'd argue that our first-team squad is arguably the best in the league. Possibly the world. I, I'm not going to go down that debate, though, but it's arguable. So to lose man for man some of the best players in the world in their positions and then have to bring in kids, the, the team's obviously going to struggle. So it's one of those, like, yeah, as you said, last season, it was a bit of an outlier. Um, could have been, could have been done better, possibly, but it is what it is. Can't change the fact that it happened. Yeah. Um, so just to kind of look at this game a bit more in depth. Um, I mean... Liverpool sit on top of the league at the moment, 14 points. City, one point behind in second place. Um, obviously, if City win, they'll go top. Um, either any other result, uh, Liverpool will stay top of the league. Um, that momentum is huge for um, both teams, I would say. Um, as a City fan, you know, if, if we go, if we go top of the league on Sunday, then that's fantastic. And then, and and you'll know as much as we do uh, from the other season uh, when you won. Once you're top of the league, it's it's kind of an easier job because you, you know all you've got to do is stay there. When you're chasing the league down, it's much more difficult. Um, so, uh, like early on in eighteen nineteen, when we had control of the title and we were leading, and then Liverpool broke away, got a ten point gap, City ch- had to chase it down. You know, uh, season before last, Liverpool just stormed ahead and stayed ahead. Um, You'll be wanting to do that again this season, even if the league is more competitive. You'll be wanting to have a constant, you know, three, four point gap. And, and you know, the gap could be at four points already um, with a win on Sunday for Liverpool. Um, yeah, no, because obviously it is nice being really, really far ahead in the league. Like, don't get me wrong, watching us in 2019-20, that was phenomenal. And like, the way we won the league that season was just... It, 
it, you know what I mean when I say it, it felt like it was just written the way they just went, nah, let's just do this. On the back of not only losing out on the league in 2019, and then winning the European Cup and then carrying on and then just carrying that momentum going forward. I, I looked at that and went, there's no chance that we're not going to go. But at the same time, though, I feel like this Liverpool's got the... Um, the feed off being underdogs, they don't mind being just behind and that as long as they know inside themselves that they have a possibility that they can get ahead. Because I wouldn't like, I'd still prefer to be on top of the league right now, but don't get me wrong. But say it was yourselves, for example, that were top and we were just one point behind, behind. I feel like that would play into our hand come Sunday where we'd go, all right, let's get into gear and then go for it. But as I said, it's one of those, I feel like they do play into being underdogs a bit better, but it's one of those. Yeah, I I, I absolutely agree. I mean, if if even if it's even if it's you know another drab nil nil like it was a couple of years ago, I mean that's a good result for both teams really because it keeps the league the same position. They're not gonna you know kind of dr- drop much fur drop further and kind of be ruled at the title race like City were early on um, this season. And in um, a couple of seasons ago, when you when Liverpool um, to come to you quickly, Lee. Um, what do you think very briefly about this game? What do you? How do you think it's going to go? Kind of deciding factors for you in it. Uh, I think it's going to be a, a must-watch for everyone, really, not just because of the league position, etc., <laughs> but um, because of um, just the quality um, in in both teams. Um, I think. The key factor on the day, as basic as it sounds, is whichever team wants it the most is probably going to win that game. It, it's a, I don't want to say it's a complete clash of styles, but it sort of is in possession. You're two completely different teams. Liverpool love playing on the break where they can. They've got the wing-backs playing as wingers, the wingers playing as forwards forward playing in midfield it's all very it's I don't want to say fluid because how they attack it really well structured in terms of their positioning City are a bit more fluid prefer the patient game very very opposing views of how to attack and win a football game Um, I I don't I I think in, in tight games Liverpool's style probably presents an advantage. The ability to be more direct, the the way that they want to set a team up is how an underdog would normally approach that kind of game. So I think in in a very tight fixture, I think Liverpool are probably better tactically set up for it. But again, anything can happen. If City starve a team of possession for long enough, they're going to score goals. You've got brilliant players. Grealish, De Bruyne, Foden, Mares, Ferran Torres, Bernardo Silva. The, the, and that, that's just listing players that have come to my head instantly. You know, you've got such brilliant attacking depth. Um, very versatile players who can pretty much play anywhere. And I think um, if City can get the attacks down the wings, that's probably Liverpool's weakest point, defensively speaking, at least, especially down the right-hand side of the defence. But um, I think, um, yeah, Liverpool have just gone 2-0 up. <laughs> Jack, Jack's had a bit of a reaction to that one. Um, but again, if, if Liverpool do play extremely direct and Sadio Mane manages to finish the clear-cut chances he's presented with, 
um, then I, I think Liverpool might be slightly better set up for it. But again, like I say, it's whichever team wants it the most and plays the best to their strengths on the day because Liverpool are devastating when they're going forward and City can just completely starve a team of any attempt to do so to keep the ball well enough. Yeah, I think that's a really fair assessment um, of the two styles. Um, who So who scored for Liverpool, Jack? In the Porto game? Sorry, okay. I couldn't turn my thing on. Uh, Mane. Just Mane. as I criticised his finishing, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was literally watching it. Like, that was such a jammy goal. Though. Like, ball comes off the goalkeeper, bounces bounces off, and then Mane just walks onto it. Jammy yeah. that. I've seen Liverpool score many of them against Manchester City. I mean, one thing that's important to note about this fixture... Um, Last season, when City won 4-1 at Anfield, um, it was their first time winning there in 17 years. There is, a, there is a thing known as the Anfield curse. And it's, you know, City fans do fear going to Anfield um, for their team because, you know, we, t- we usually turn up and get battered. Um, and we have there before in the Champions League in 17-18 and then there in the league game in 17-18 as well. It was 4-3 and City, had to, City tried for a late comeback, couldn't do it. I mean, Liverpool have a habit of blowing teams away with their lineups, um, and City and, and City have that same kind of ability as well. Um, so, who do you think is going to be in the? Who, who do you think are the kind of key performers for Liverpool for the, for the weekend, Jack? Wait, sorry, repeat that. <laughs> who do you think are the like the key names, the key performers for Liverpool at the weekend? Who do who do you think they're going to be? I'm going to go down. Just it's it's the it's the standard route that you'd usually go with Liverpool. Obviously, Salah. Salah is, quite frankly... Do you know what? No, I, w- I will just say it because I don't care for the debate. He's the best player in the world at the moment. I'm, I'm, I'll happily say that. I'm, yeah, you can I- fight me on that. I'm, right. oh, that's fair enough. But Salah's going to be definitely doing his thing. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, Salah, Salah's pretty Lord much... Lord help, Edison. Yeah, I mean, Salah's pretty much always scored against um, City at Anfield, I think. Uh, he's got, he got he scored the penalty uh, in last season's game. Um, yeah. So, uh, so what, about the, what about the midfield? Because I think that's where the battle's going to be won and lost, really, for me. Fabinho. Fabinho. Because yeah. I I, I, since um, Thiago's gone out and Jones has had to come in, because obviously Elliot's been injured... Um, I've actually kind of come to the conclusion that I, I do believe that our best midfield in terms of going like left, back, then right, would be Jones, Fabinho, Henderson. Um, I can understand the arguments for Thiago, but my argument against Thiago, and it's not a case of I think he's a bad player because he isn't, he's one of the best in the world. But the problem with Thiago is he gets, we go on a blistering attack, we'll go, we're flying down the wing. And the next thing you know, Thiago's got the ball. And so, like, let's stop. Let's have a little look around. Let's move the ball off slowly. He's, he would fit perfectly into that Manchester City team because he's, he's a very, very, he is very much a Guardiola player. But it's Liverpool like to play just rapid down the wing. And then, yeah, that's why I find Jones, not he's not better than Thiago, but he's better suited for Liverpool's style of play than Thiago. Because... He gets the ball. He just runs with it. He tries to shoot. More direct. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. He's a very direct. Spanish midfielder in Itiago. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Fantastic player. I mean, you know, before you went to Liverpool, everyone was saying he's one of the best midfielders in the world because he just won the Champions League with Bayern. Um, and he has, you know, especially in his first season, he wasn't fantastic for Liverpool. Um, 
but he is a fan. He is a fantastic player. Um, yeah, he's gonna and he's gonna settle into his own. He's gonna find a role. But yeah, Curtis Jones, I think, is a fantastic player for Liverpool. Um, he's the kind of perfect Liverpool player almost in that midfield, and you know he's got so much courage. Um, kind of in a similar way to how City fans view Bernardo Silva in the fact that he just runs and runs and runs, gets covers every blade of grass. Fantastic attacking player as well. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think I think that midfield is going to be the kind of key battleground in this game. Um, you know, obviously, my my opinion on who the best player in the world is is completely different to yours, Jack, because I think Kevin De Bruyne, and I think he's going to be the key for the for us, um, as he usually is. Yeah. Uh, well, each to their own, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, that's a, that's a simple thing. But I, I mean, Kevin Kevin De Bruyne, he's he's yet to have one of these kind of utterly imperious performances against Liverpool. I think. Um, I don't don't think he was so much the star of um, the four-one uh, win last season. He I very think kindly was... left that to Phil Foden, didn't he? <laughs> kind of a handing over of the torch there, almost to Phil Foden as he just ran that game. Um, and he's going to be hugely important. Rested tonight um, for against PSG, um, and I think it is genuinely him being rested for the weekend um, after that impressive performance against uh, Liverpool last time out, and and he's been. Fantastic um, since returning from injury so far. Um, was brilliant uh, against Chelsea. Um, really kind of important in dragging defenders all over the spot. And I think that's going to be something, the way that City have to win this game, they have to approach it like Chelsea, like that Chelsea game, in the sense that they have to pull that defence apart um, to make the space for a goal. Um, Drew, uh, we haven't forgotten about you. You're still here. What do you think, uh, quite uh, very briefly, on Liverpool versus City coming up at the weekend? Well, obviously, after Southampton gets something at Chelsea and Everton and United draw, uh, once we've beaten Arsenal, I'm hoping that it'll be a draw so we can stay top of the league uh, after all those results go our way. But no, I think uh, I think everyone's sort of already said it. I think Liverpool have more of the individuals that could do something special to turn a tight game. And it's obviously at Anfield, so the advantage is already there with them. Um, I certainly wouldn't expect the game to go strongly either way. Uh, but if pushed for a winner, and I think there will be a winner, I, I just can't see this being a draw for whatever reason, probably because both these teams like to score goals. But uh, yeah, I think I think Liverpool will take it. Uh, let's say 2-0. Let's just say that City can't find the net this time round because they forgot to buy a striker. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be something that gets levelled at City um, all season if it doesn't go that way in the end, um, not buying a striker. Um, yeah, um, we, we don't really do score predictions on here, Jack, but I'm going to ask you for one anyway. Uh, what, you know, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to say 2-1 myself. 2-1 Liverpool. I can't, I can't, but I would usually say 2-1 either way. But I feel like because of how dismal we were last season, I feel like we've just got that little, not necessarily psychological advantage, but because we go into it knowing like we do feel a bit under underdoggy, we'll just kind of just maybe spare them on a little bit. Yeah, kind of fire, a fire in your belly almost. Yeah, um, yeah they'll be a bit hungrier. That's the word. And, and obviously, um, Anfield uh, being packed again will help. You know. Yeah. You oh, one hundred percent. I mean, even even Pep Guardiola acknowledged um, after the game last last season saying Anfield empty and Anfield uh, full are two, two totally different stadiums. Yeah. Uh, Guardiola commenting on the fans again. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, yeah, I'm not going to say much to that. Um, but anyway, that's all we've got time for this week on the dugout.uk football podcast. Um, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we're going to have Jack back next week to come and discuss his other team, Napoli, um, and all things Italian. All, all things are Serie A and Italian football because a hell of a lot's going on over there this season. Um, so I can't wait to have you back, Jack, next week. Uh, Drew, thanks so much for coming on again. And I'm sure, as we talked about earlier, when it's Christmas and Brighton are in the relegation zone, we will get you <laughs> um, to dissect opinions from this time. I'll get uh, my smug face ready. Yeah, please do, because if, um, if if Leeds find themselves in a similar position to where they currently are, I think me and you are both going to have a bit of a smug face at Lee here. I think I might just have a week off. Thank, thank <laughs> you for listening. Uh, I'll have you back again uh, next week.